Please. Welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm, brought to you by FunkinSlift.net. This is the interview show that gets deep in the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. I'm your host, Scott Dr. Jake Skolfein, musicologist and author of Everything is on the One, the first guy to funk. If you don't have your copy, get on over to Amazon to pick one up. You'll be so glad you did. Whether you're watching the video version of this at FunkinStuff.net or on YouTube or listening to the audio-only podcast version from providers like iTunes and Spotify, as always, I thank you so much for your continued interest and support in the show. Speaking of which, if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube. That's where Truth and Rhythm lives. All kinds of goodies you'll get, uh, early premieres, and it's all free, so make sure you sign up. Tell a friend, tell family. Also get your official Truth and Rhythm and Funk and Stuff gear at the FunkinStuff.net store. Cool stuff like I'm wearing right here, Truth and Rhythm shirts, Show your support and love of the show and also the musicians and the music that they represent. Um, also want to give a shout out to the Funk Exhibition Center and Hall of Fame in Dayton, Ohio, of which I'm very proud to be an official Funk Ambassador. Go to thefunkcenter.org to learn more and keep the funk alive. And now, with all that, it's time to get on with the show. Enjoy. I am pleased to welcome to the Truth and Rhythm Mothership, Adam Smirnoff, guitarist and co-founder of the tremendous funk jazz soul pocket groove machine known as Lettuce. <coughs> Since 2002, the group has released seven studio and two live albums as well as an EP. These have been a godsend for fans of authentic horn-driven, primarily instrumental funk jazz, rife with influences from Herbie Hancock, to the Meters, to the Crusaders, to the JBs, and beyond. Lettuce's most recent album, 2019's Elevate, debuted at number one on the Billboard Contemporary Jazz album chart and iTunes R&B albums chart, and it also received a Grammy nomination for Best Contemporary Instrumental Album. Plus, there's a new album that will likely be available by the time you watch this, and that's exciting. Adam, how are you? Welcome. Man, I'm doing really well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, under these circumstances uh, that we're all dealing with right now, uh, maybe by the time people are watching this, maybe they'll be different. I sure hope so. You holding up okay? Where, where are you yeah. based? I'm in Denver, Colorado, and I'm here with my family. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky to, to be locked down, you know, with the people here I love. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that. That's good news that everything's uh, okay so far. Yeah, um, but how challenging has it been, you know, not being able to, you know, get out there and, and perform and you're getting a little bit of cabin fever? How's that going? Well, man, um, it's extremely challenging as far as like what 
we do for a living and what every musician is going through right now and what everyone who works in the music business, everyone who works in the restaurant business. I mean, it, it, the list just goes on and on. We're just all having such a difficult time. And I, as I said, we're just trying to make the best of the situation, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, we pray for uh, those that are, are ailing and uh, for this to come to a conclusion soon. Me too. But, you know, music is salvation, right? So thank God for that. Sure is, man. It's the great escape, man. Yeah. No matter what, you could put on a pair of headphones and close your eyes and sit on the couch and be taken to a faraway land. And, you know, that's the beauty, right? Oh, man, absolutely. We're so, so thankful for that and, and thankful for you to bring it to us. So. Um, well, I'm thankful for everyone else who brings it and inspires us to to do it and, and uh, you know, couldn't be done without all the predecessors and all our peers driving us, you know. Absolutely. Speaking of which, Adam, I wanted to ask you how you first gravitated towards the guitar and who were some of your early <laughs> and main influences? I first gravitated towards the guitar um, after I saw two films. Uh, the first one my parents happened to show me, it was uh, Jimi Hendrix live at Monterey Pop. I remember him playing Wild Thing and I was really just blown away by the whole showmanship and lighting the guitar on fire and his clothes and his attitude and I was like wow I want to do that and I think immediately I asked for a guitar and then maybe like within the same week I happened to watch the movie Crossroads uh, that was really you know uh, a lot about blues guitar and a lot of guitar playing by Arlen Roth in it um, and of course the big battle at the end uh, I don't want to give a movie away if you haven't seen it. But uh, those two things, and then I, I remember I asked for a guitar again. They were like, all right, you seem pretty serious that you want one. And, uh, my parents were really supportive musically. There's a lot of music in my family from my grandmother, both grandparents, uh, grandfathers on both sides. Uh, my, my mother's uh, last name uh, was Musicant at one point, which means musician and her whole like Russian lineage on that side. And then my uh, uncle Joel uh, was in the Juilliard String Quartet and, uh, you know, is a world renowned violinist and conductor at this point. Wow. Interesting. That Crossroads movie, was that the one with Ralph Macchio? Yeah. 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 I remember that. <laughs> I think, I thought Ry Cooter did some of that too, actually, but. I think you might be right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. That. Very cool. Um, so how did the band come into existence? And, you know, um, I've heard some stories how it got its name, but why don't you share that with us? Sure. Uh, we started out as kids at the uh, Berkeley School of Music five-week program, which is, uh, you know, during the summertime. And uh, you can be like 15 or 16, something like that. We were all some 15 or 16. And uh, the core of us attended that. And, 
we lived in the same like dormitory. And, uh, we would hang out and smoke weed and play music and jam, which is kind of still what we do today. <laughs> did, did you which all? Is half, which is half where the name comes from, and the other half would be like, uh, you know, hey, let us borrow your guitar amp, man. Let, let, let us sit in for a tune. Uh, you know, it was, it was that kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah. Who who do you remember who actually put it forth? Hey, let's call ourselves that. I think actually it was this guy Nick Casper, this other keyboard player. Pretty sure. And, and who were the original members? What was the original nucleus? Uh, Adam Deitch, Jesus, Eric Coombs. Ryan Zoidis, Eric Krasno, and myself. So that's, I mean, how much has that changed now? Most of those guys are still around, if not all, right? All of us except for Kras, who's off doing his own thing, doing it so beautifully right now, and we're really, really proud of uh, what he's accomplishing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you, you guys have a, sort of a, symbiotic relationship uh, with soul live you want to describe how that works well i mean praz and, and neil were, were in the group for a while <clears throat> and they're both in soul live so we we would we did a lot of shows together during that era um <clears throat> and uh yeah that's it's kind of kind of it you know those were our homies, and we did shows, keeping it simple. When you guys came together, uh, how m mutual were your fandoms of, you know, rhythm-based music? I mean, that's what brought us together. <clears throat> you know, we, during that time, funk music really wasn't, like, on the forefront of society aside from maybe at that time of the Red Hot Chili Peppers and uh, you know there was also like Fishbone at the time I, I, that was really big and Living Color who was kind of more like rock funk rock funk was bigger you know uh, and we weren't like we weren't like the full metal guys and we weren't the full straight ahead guys at Berkeley and, and funk and, and R&B and, and hip hop. That was more of our vibe and we all gravitated towards each other for our love of uh, these musics, you know. And who were some of the primary bands? I mean, I mentioned some of the intro. Uh, but I think also like Tower of Power, probably. And who are some of the other guys? Lucy um, Collins and James Brown. And, uh, you know, there's so much stuff. Sly and the Family Stone. You're putting me on the spot here. Zap and Roger. Uh, Trouble Funk. Uh, the, list, the list goes on and on. I think if you take our first record, we actually list like, we list so many people. Uh, so you, you can go back and check that out if you want. Okay. 
Um, you said you have the first record, so yeah, so it should yeah. be in the liner notes. <laughs> I got it's in the other room. I got to go, but um, yeah, the first record was out of here in, in 2002, and um, right. But Adam, you are so right, man. At that time when you guys came out, there was you know a dearth of especially newer funk music and yeah. especially with horns too, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, luckily for us, Maceo Parker at that time had that huge resurgence and uh, was playing shows and influenced a lot of us. And, and we got together and, and when we got the opportunity to play like a Maceo tune with each other, it was like, Oh my God, this is hit. <laughs> or a Herbie Hancock tune, you know? Uh -huh. Yeah, Maceo, that's my hero right there on sax. And you even had his uh, his partner Fred Wesley on that first record, right? How did we did? How did, did. that uh, come to happen? Um, <clears throat> he had already done shows with us. We did a a residency at the Wetlands early, early on that actually had Schofield, the first time Deitch ever played with Sco, which then, of course, he went on later in his career to record Uber Jam and, uh, and, and some other stuff with Schofield and all, the, all those amazing tours that they did together. Um, and then I believe Robert Randolph and the Family Band might have been one of the guests during one of them. And I ended up gigging with them later on. Fred Wesley was definitely one of our guests. Um, <clears throat> I think there was a night that we did Javier Colon as one of the guests who went on to be a winner of uh, uh, America's Most Talented Singer. What is it? No, what is it called? Not America's America. Got, America's Got Talent? Yeah, yes. Uh, maybe. No, I don't know if it's America. One of, one of those singer shows. American Idol? Yeah. Not the the other one. Okay. I don't watch them. I forget. Yeah. But uh. Yeah. Oh, and actually, I think it wasn't Robert Randolph. It it, it was uh, Bernard Purdy, Reuben Wilson, and Grant Green Jr. I think was one of the events. So that was at the Wetlands residency. Then that, that's when Fred Wesley came on the full with us and uh you know when we asked him to record he was gracious enough to do it and uh we had a lot of fun fun with him he's, yeah he's, he's on the title track and then i think one other cut that you actually um it's named after him right yeah the the jb's the jb's super, cut super fred yeah yeah which is like super bad <laughs> and cool. and goes on the record too right yeah yeah, there you go. So obviously you see the, the significance between those residencies that we did at the Wetlands in New York, how that album ended up turning out. You had been jamming for quite a while before you finally got a record out, right? So um, sure. when did it, you know, was it always the ambition to get a record out? And did, did you, did it take longer than expected or? No, I, you know, I think, for a long time, it was just kind of, I don't know if any of us really believed like lettuce would be the thing that would make us our living. It just, you know, 
being an instrumental funk band, there were a lot of people who didn't believe in us and probably like a little bit in ourselves too. And we were all hungry young kids who wanted to go do gigs. So like Deitch went and did the average white band gig. He ended up doing the Schofield gig. He ended up uh, doing the Wyclef gig. Uh, at one point I'm doing Robert Randolph uh, and, and then Lady Gaga at one point and uh, Jesus is working with like Britney Spears and Dr. Dre in the studio and we, we just wanted to make names for ourselves as musicians and we didn't think really lettuce was going to be that avenue until much later on even probably after out of here came out you know out of here was more of like like hey man we need to document this thing that we've been doing um, but becoming a full-time touring band didn't come till like what six years ago Seven years ago, right? Yeah. Um, when you went into the studio finally, and subsequently too, what is uh, the band's process like? Is you know there uh, certain guys that have certain roles, and what is the creative process like to to create the the tracks? Um, well, everyone has their own voice, and uh, you know we all have. There's a democratic process that would make a tune be like, okay, this is this is lit. This is we all agree that this should be a lettuce tune. Um, and then, of course, there's you know there's some prolific writers in the band. Uh, Adam Deitch is an incredible multi instrumentalist, not just a drummer who writes incredible stuff. He's one of the funkiest human beings on the planet. I'd recommend having him on your show at some point. Um, and, you know, everyone comes with these awesome ideas and, and they kind of just get worked on and some of them are complete, some of them aren't. Um, and we just kind of hash them out uh, of how it should be played live and where solo sections should come and beginnings and endings and uh, overall sounds and who's playing what parts. Uh, you know, and then there's uh, the stuff that just happens on the spot, which is the magical stuff. Were you guys, uh, uh, you know, happy with the way the first record came out? Yeah, very much so. I wanted to uh, share with you. I mean, on that first record, I mean, I just love so much of it. But in particular, uh, the title track. Uh, the flu is such great intense funk, um, and uh, squad, um, squad live, squad live. Yeah, 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 uh, reunion, and you did the Herbie Hancock uh, cover, yeah, 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 that's right, that's right, showing our roots, which is what I was saying before, playing a Herbie Hancock tune, like that ended up on my record, and that's you know one of the things that brought us together, uh. I love that record, you know, yeah. really, when I look back on it. So there are children. Each one of these records, there are, like, there are kids, and you love them all. And, uh, you know, it's fun to see the process, how, how it evolves and changes and uh, how, how beautifully, like, it is to be around 
these incredible musicians, the other guys in Lettuce that like are just so phenomenal to be around and they're so inspiring and like you know, to have a singer now like Nigel Hall who who's able to bring all these sonic landscapes now and and, and Zoidus what he's doing with his synthesizer and you know everything that Bloom plays, like he could play over ten million changes and he can play over funk. He's one of the few human beings that can do that on the planet, I feel like, in such an authentic way. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Deitch is one of the greatest drummers of all time. And you have Jesus, who's got just the best tone and the best feel and the best rhythmic concepts. You know, I just feel so lucky to be in a band. Straight up. And I yeah. still feel that way. Since the day I met them till right at this second. That's Especially fantastic. now that I'm at home and I don't get to play right now. I'm like jonesing that feeling. You know? Yeah. Um, are you able are you guys able to do anything remotely while you're split up? Yeah, yeah. We're sending around tunes and, and, and we're working on some stuff and I'm able to mix some stuff here at home and uh I'm sure everyone is working on their own ideas on their own. I can't wait to hear everything, you know? So, Adam, from a guitar standpoint, though, who are a few of your favorites or, or influences that you could highlight for us? Uh, Wah Wah Watson, Catfish Collins, uh, Jimmy Nolan, Jimi Hendrix, Bruce Conti, um, Tower. There's so many. There's so many influences for me. Uh, that, that, yeah, that, that's the ones that just came off the top of my head right there. Yeah, some of the all-time great rhythm players right there, no doubt. Yeah. And and in some cases, uh, a couple of them are a little underrated too, I think. But yeah. 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 Um, so as you Leo, said, though. You get... Shout out to Leo as well. The meters can't forget that. Can't forget that one. Definitely. Yeah, he was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Love Good. Leo. Lovely, um, but like you had mentioned, you know, there was that big gap, like six years or something until you guys came with your second record because you were not sure it was going to be the full-time gig. Right. So I, no, I, I just, uh, think at that point that was more of a trying to capture what we had been doing for, for that time. And, uh, yeah, and that wasn't going. That wasn't the full time hit for for any of us at that moment in two thousand and two. When you came back with Rage, um, yeah, yeah, what do you think had changed for you guys as a band by that by then? Well, obviously Neil played keys on that record. And that was different. Um, And, uh, I don't know. I don't know what was really that different during that time, aside from maybe like just being more experienced, being um, just recording ourselves. We were, we, we were still a little bit more novices during the out of here days, and we were really lucky to have Ari Raskin as the engineer on on that record. And I think by the time we got to Rage, we were a little bit like, 
we as individuals understood reporting a little bit more uh, and wanted to have a little bit more hands-on for for that record um, as far as like you know the mixing process and uh, and I think there was more of an involvement from everyone in that versus uh, versus the first record where I, you know what I can't even remember like who was there for like the mixing process in the first record and I remember like clearly everyone being there for for that for that record and and just uh. Yeah, what what else is on that record? Well, oh, one of the unique things about that about starting to do like more hip hop stuff was like Mr. Yancey on there, and I think that really like you know, hey, this is funk too, and uh, this is this is our modern interpretation of of funk, and um, that's continued from every album on, um, from that from that point on. I believe, you know, uh, that, that more hip-hop funk feel. Mm -hmm. And you had some interesting covers on here with Express Yourself and Move On Up. Yeah, um, you know? that's right. Yeah. Um, and then how did you get your nickname? Because it, it surfaces here by any means necessary. Uh, <laughs> it does. Yeah. does. My last name is Smirnoff. Uh, and, and I think when I was in... High school, my nickname was Smyrns, like Smyrnoff. But then, like, as I met, like, more New York, some other people, it was more like Smyrnoff, Smyrnoff. And then it became Schmeens. And that's, that's it. <laughs> um, I really like, um, on that record, King of the Bergs, um, Need to Understand, yeah. and... Um, Making My Way Back Home is a cool one, too. The debut of Nigel Hall in Lettuce. Thank you so much for saying that. That's right. That's one of the biggest differences on that record, that's for sure. How was it playing with a vocalist? Uh, I, did, was it awkward at first or just kind of hand and glove? And Not not awkward at all. Just, you know, everything's always felt really natural with him and he makes things feel really natural because he's one of the most natural musicians you'll ever meet in your life. How'd you connect the band connect with him? I think through Ryan Zoidis because they were both uh, uh, in Maine. Ryan is from Portland, Maine. And I believe during that time, Nigel was living in Bangor, Maine and gigging around Portland. On this record, you know, what came to mind for me also was a little bit of Brecker Brothers, you know, with the sort of electric horn sound. Is that, would you say that was any influence on, on the horn side of the band or? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I obviously like Brecker Brothers is a huge influence on the entire funk fusion world. Um, whether that was specifically what they were going for, I can't really tell you. You know, I doubt it. I think that it just probably, there's probably some sonic things like using a uh, envelope filter on a saxophone or something like that, which might, you know, make you think of that. Yep. 
Um, yeah, you mentioned Mr. Yancey. That was uh, another cool one. That's actually um, listed as a bonus track. But um, what was great about that record, too, is you guys started coming regularly with albums after that. So, you know, there right. was no long wait after that. The Fly came next, and another really strong record that really uh, showed the heavy meters influence with uh, Zigawatt. And uh, question. Um, named, named, you know, obviously that's that's the nod to Zigaboo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think even musically, you know, you can hear touches of meters elsewhere too in the record. and That's definitely like a part of all of us at this point. And how much is it a thrill or has it been a thrill, uh, Adam, when you've gotten to actually meet these influences that have, you know have been so important to you guys i imagine you've probably met almost all of them by now um yeah yeah i've met all of them you know rest in peace art at this point um i've been lucky enough uh to be able to play music with uh all the remaining members um i've played with george Played with Zig, and played with Leo, and we, you know, we've all gotten to really like hang and, and talk and vibe and with some of our musical heroes. So, you know, how lucky are we? <laughs> I mean, it's really incredible when you when you really start thinking about it. It's like kind of moving, you know, honestly. Like b between Maceo and Fred and Pee Wee and, and you know all the meters and Shaka Khan at one point and, you know, just crazy man <laughs> Dr. John oh yeah and rest in peace and uh, you know this this lettuce thing has taken us on like a funk journey where we've gotten to really link up with you know the the dudes, man, our heroes, our, our, our funk legends, the people who inspired us to play. So it's like, it doesn't really get much better than that, you know. Have you ever encountered any of them where they told you that they actually liked something that you guys did and it was like, wow, he's aware, you know, they're aware of us? One moment stands out in particular. Just we were in a rehearsal room with Maceo and I forget exactly what was going on but he just like stopped and he was like hold on a second you that's too funky man that, that was too funky and then we brought it back in it was just really a hilarious moment where like Maceo was overwhelmed with with the funk that he had to like stop us for a second and then I was like, wow, if we moved Maceo like that, all right. So maybe we're actually touching on something. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, I mean, you can't get better validation than that. Wow. I couldn't agree with On the Fly, uh, the Fly album, you also did a cover of Slipping in the Darkness, the war classic. Right, yeah. So, um, you know, that's an influence that we haven't mentioned and maybe people might not immediately think of, but War is another phenomenal group. 
legend, funk legend. Yeah. Um, also really liked on that record, uh, do do it like you do, and uh, the Crusher. Yeah. Nigel Hall again. Yeah. Like you do. yeah. And the Crusher, yep, ended up being like that real psychedelic track on the record. And that record actually got up to number six, I believe, on the charts. So you guys got that kind of um, recognition and that kind of uh, attention with Fly. Um, how did that feel? Did that change, you know, the kind of gigs you guys were getting and, and that kind of notoriety? Um. You know, I think it enabled us that when we did finally decide to start touring nationally, that when we didn't really know or not whether we were going to have audiences in these places, that finally when we got there, there were people who, were, who, who know these records, who have known these records, and tell us, like, man, we've been waiting for you to come. And, and that kind of, like, is the backbone of why we were able to, to start touring full-time, essentially. And if you could share with the viewers and listeners, you know, what can what can they expect at a lettuce show? You know, what are the shows like? Um, expect to get down and have some fun, loosen up, you know, smoke a joint, have a drink, or don't do any of those and just listen to the music and have some fun, you know? Dance. Expect to dance. Expect to be taken somewhere by the music. <laughs> Next came Crush, and you know that cover was pretty un unusual and interesting. Um, it was is that a famous painting or something I, with the elephants and the horn? Yes, it is. It yes, is. it is. Yeah, yeah. We we were able to license. Uh, that painting uh, from uh, what's his last name? Kush, right? Something. Uh, I, I, Jesus uh, found the artists. It's, it's slipping. It's slipping my mind. His first name right now. Uh, it seemed familiar to me, but yeah, um, it, 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 it's a very famous. Painting. Yeah, it's very cool though. I like it. Um, this record, I mean, really cranks on the funk. I mean, get greasy and uh, chief. Um, Trilogy, uh, Silverdome. Well, Silverdome is actually, uh, well, yeah. And then you have a Bobby Gentry cover of all things on that record. Yeah, that's right. That seems kind of eclectic. How did that come to be? Uh, that's with Alicia, right? I don't I'm know who's doing... doing the vocal on it, actually. but What's, what's the name of the song? It's called uh, He Made a Woman Out of Me. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. That's that's Alicia. That's that was uh, um, during a time that we had Alicia Shakur uh, singing with us a lot, and uh, she uh, has been with the Derek Trucks band okay. um, since since our time with her. Um, we were lucky enough to have her on this record, and you know she's a she's got a really wide taste and a huge knowledge of probably like a lot of music that we don't have and she brought this tune to the table i'm pretty sure chief especially that track is just blistering funk you know 
Thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate that. Um, yeah. yeah, it's the kind of stuff that I just, you know, could listen to all day long and often do. Um, Phyllis and Trilogy, to me, those tracks uh, had some of the sonics that kind of were some of the groundwork, I think, for your more current recordings, you know, in terms of... 100%. And, and why I stated before that Mr. Yancey was kind of like the birth of that on Rage, and now we're kind of expanding on those ideas more and more, and kind of probably more representing the directions that we were going into live at the time, and, and more of like that headspace where we get into those kinds of like trippy jams and, and stuff like that, so... Uh, very, you know, psychedelic influence more and more for these records, I think. Yeah, it's very interesting to track sort of the genesis of it uh, coming through like yeah. that. Um, and then uh, Silverdome, to me, is sort of like classic funkadelic sound. Yeah, no question. Uh, you know definitely trying to conjure those sonic spaces right there and you know, pay homage to the great definitely that Bernie Worrell influence and the uh, real funkadelic maybe influence all kind of did you ever uh, uh, share a bill with uh, George Clinton and, and that band or meet those guys? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That'd be, I would like that that bill right there. Uh, lettuce and, and P-Funk would be something else. I'm down. Let's do it. You guys uh, then did it sort of a couple of curveballs. You did an EP with uh, Mount Crushmore and then the Miles thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, what were you thinking? You just wanted to do something a little off the. No, nah, you know, we didn't, plan, we didn't we didn't plan the miles thing at all. It was just a gig that kind of happened, it got recorded, and it was in the middle of like an album cycle, and we knew it would be fun to release something. We didn't know what, what we were going to release. Uh, when we listened back to it, we were like, "Man, that was a really fun. That was a really fun gig." Uh, I like the sound of it. I like the vibe of it. Let's 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 put it out there and see if people dig it. It was really it was really that simple. It's not you know it wasn't rocket science. We played a game, we recorded it, and we were like, yeah, that's cool. Let's put it out. What made you decide to do a tribute like that, though? Even you know, in the first place. Eric, that was that was a, an idea from. Bloom that he had, he wanted to do at, at this festival that we were playing, Catskill Chill Festival. Some things are pretty spontaneous. That gig was like really wacky. It was super early in the morning. So people had like stayed up all night. And, you know, there's a certain kind of like tension on that recording. I think people were kind of butting heads a little bit before the gig. And, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Miles kind of like dug that. <laughs> In my mind. In my mind. 
Did, did you guys have to mm -hmm. rehearse much to do, you know, sort of? We didn't rehearse any of that. That's what <laughs> I'm saying while we were butting heads before the gig, like arguing about the tunes and the sections or whatnot, you know. And just kind of, I don't know how that happened, but it did, so. How often do you guys just kind of, um, how rigid are you in sticking to a set list for a, a show versus just kind of going wherever? I'd say like we're 70, 30, you know, uh, I say we, we stick to the set list. We write most, most of the time, but sometimes like we get to somewhere and we're like, yo, we just play this kind of feeling and we don't want to play that feeling anymore. Let's pick a different song or, or, or you're reading the crowd or you want to do something more energetic right at that moment, or you want to do something chiller right at that moment, you, you know, there's definitely like a feel it out on stage kind of thing. And then, you know, if we're jamming really hard during nights, we have to cut tunes because we played too long. Or, and uh, and I'd say that happens most of the time. We're definitely like a cut a tune off our set list you know, every night of practice. Maybe we just need to stay right. Are there one or two like unforgettable show or or stories from the road that you could share with us that stand out in your mind from the whole history of the band? From the whole history of the band. Well definitely like getting to play with Shaka Khan is gonna be me. Um I don't know what kind of stories I have for you, except that, like, every day with most of these guys, like, for the most part, is just hanging out with my buddies. So it's all kind of like one big party when I think back on the whole thing. And I, and I don't mean, like, an out-of-control party. I just mean, like, man, I've been lucky enough to really hang out with my friends for 30 years, practically. You know, so I don't know. I think that's the best story of them all. That like we've had this relationship for this long. That that we really actually care about each other as human beings, and you know, as friends, and not just musicians and colleagues and, and bandmates and business partners. You know, there's there's more of a depth to it than just that. And that's the story. Brothers and Funk. Brothers and Funk, man. Have you uh, guys gone overseas much or at all? Yeah, we we just got back. We we, oh. we literally got Corona right in under the Corona. Oh. What's the biggest crowd do you think, or you might have played for? Uh, maybe like Bonnaroo stage or something like that. Forty thousand people. I'm not sure. Those festivals, they all like they all seem so big to me. You know, every time I look out on maybe that lock in show we did with the great group of guys and 
Dead and Co. guys, excuse me. Um, and that that's that's another one that stands out. It's been a long, crazy journey. Sounds like a, a deadism right there. Yeah. Okay. I tried to change. I changed two words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Adam, so uh, Elevate came out last year and, you know, got a lot of acclaim, got nominated for a Grammy and congratulations on that. And definitely was a um, departure from what had preceded it in terms of, you know, the varied scope of it and the more um, variety in the in the palette of, of Sonics, if you will. Um, it starts out with that trapezoid, which has sort of a foreboding hip hop kind of vibe and no just kind of takes off in a lot of directions from there. Um, what were those sessions like? And, and uh, you know, those well, sesh that session was prolific. That session was like we recorded the last record, most of this record, and some of the next record. And you know that's these are these are the Russ Elevato sessions essentially. Uh, working with him, you know, the dream come true, you know, the stuff he did with D'Angelo and Eric Badiri and the Roots and all, all, all of that. That's some of our favorite stuff of all time, especially Roots. You know, that one stands out as maybe one of my favorite modern records of all time and uh, so we got to work with the engineer and for that and again how lucky are we and another hero we get to work with just on a you know different level how'd that connection happen um no, I can't really recall. Maybe it was more of like, hey, who's who's one of your dream guys you could ever work for? Let's reach out to you. Maybe it wasn't that. In my mind, maybe it was Well, highlights are, are many on uh, Elevate, but I like um, myself. My favorite's a Royal Highness, which is um, a serious groove of a little bit of Minneapolis staying, but also reminds me a little bit of a track by One Way, if you know that band. And yeah, um, that's definitely the name. In name, it's a tip to the hat to His Royal Highness Prince. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Laramar, very cool, and also Purple Cabbage. No question. Yeah. Again, like still that. That Mr. Yancey, that trilogy world, still keeping it going and transforming and morphing and progressing. And uh, Gang 10, is that your, your guys' longest studio cut of all time? I would probably think it was. Yeah. And in the sequencing, I'm sure it was intentional to have it in the middle to kind of break up the two that that sounds right that yeah. sounds right yeah um 
And then Ready to Live, very much like a Tower of Power kind of thing. It's a Cold Blood cover. Lydia Pence. Oh, there you go. Yes. Yeah, Cold Blood. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No wonder. And uh, Love is uh, Too Strong. It's Lydia's, it's Lydia's solo record. So it's it's Cold Blood and I think Tower of Power. Oh, okay. I could be wrong. I'll have to go Pretty back sure. and look for that. that yeah, original. We'll have to go check that out. But I, you know, it's definitely funky. It's a slower version than ours. We sped it up a little bit. We definitely gave it that like real tower feel. You know. Yes. Yeah. And love is too strong. Is very much of a stacks kind of thing. No question. Yeah. yeah. Got to Marcus King, who has hence blown up since uh, since we recorded that. And uh, we love Marcus, man. He's such a young talent, man. And he can sing and he can play guitar. And we were really lucky that our paths crossed. Yeah, he's something else. Yeah, he is. Um, and just, you know, it's like so great when you come across a genuine article because it seems like far and fewer between nowadays, you know? Sure are. Yeah. But you know what? I Actually, I think there's are, there are... There are a lot of genuine articles right now. We're seeing so many people on the internet. So many people have a voice to be heard right now. All these young kids come up. They're so talented, man. They've they've had YouTube their whole lives. They play like every instrument. They know every tune. Like I, these kids, these young kids keep impressing me more and more and more and more. I am so encouraged for the young musical world and I have a lot of we've been doing a lot of teaching as lettuce right now and I, I couldn't be more encouraged right now just from some of the talent that these young kids have man unbelievable I feel the same way I just think you have to be proactive and go find them on the internet nowadays yeah lucky lucky enough maybe they're drawn to me because of uh of, of what lettuce is doing lettuce is like this beacon of, of like you know funk is just uh surrounding us and, and sometimes we get we get the call like, oh wow there it is you know what i hear from some some players though is that you know these these youtube like kids or generation that a lot of them can play really well but they're more copying and not so much as their own thing or being as innovative. What do you think of that? I don't buy that for one second. You know what I mean? Like, come on, what, ha what would have happened to us if when we were 16 years old, like the only jams that like were on the internet were those Maceo and Herbie jams that we were doing. We weren't really playing original music. Yet. People said the same thing about us. And, you know, that's part of development. you got to let people develop. And I think part of this YouTube thing is you actually see people develop in front of your eyes. And, you know, I think people are genuinely scared of great talent. They want to put some excuse out there that makes them feel better about themselves. But these kids, there's no denying them. They are the real deal. Well, that makes me feel pretty good about things. So let's talk about the uh, new record, Resonate. Uh, coming out very soon. By the time people see this, it'll probably be out, actually. But um, I've heard two songs, Checker Wrecker with uh, Big Tony, who was on this show recently uh, from uh, Trouble Funk. Hey, and... now, another one of our heroes we get to do with. You know what I mean? I can't believe it. 
Yeah, he's he's talk about an original item. He is one right there. And uh, Indugu, which is from Indugu Chancellor, the great drummer who uh, left us a year ago or so, unfortunately, he passed on. But another legendary player right there. So uh, what can you tell us about this record, Adam? Man, this, as I said, like, we recorded a, a chunk of, of stuff at once. I can only speak personally for myself. This is my favorite chunk so far. You know, uh, I really enjoy this record personally. Um, I think uh, it's it's my favorite that we've ever sounded. Um, there were so many strong. We had to take some songs out for the next record that are just awesome tunes, too. And, and, and so, uh, you know, I just feel like the song selection on this is so strong. And um, I'm really proud of it. And I'm proud to be a part of it. And, you know, these guys worked really hard. Uh, I was not there for the mixing process of this one just because uh, of, of having a a young child at the moment and, and trying to deal with the whole family balancing and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, so this is a, you know, maybe I should step back from more records because this one turned out to be my favorite. <laughs> well, Checker Record, of course, is a go-go flavored uh, track and, and Dugu is a sort of a driving instrumental with real nice horns in it. No question. Yeah. With nice sonic tonalities, I feel like kind of gritty and really uh, kind of like dirty drums. And you know, I just like the whole sonic landscape of doo doo. Yeah. Uh, and um, as we look back on, you know, the, the band's catalog. Uh, are there one or two tracks that are personal favorites of yours, either from studio or just you just love playing them on stage? Uh, Silence is Golden, uh, Indugu, uh, Morning Mr. Schminkelhofer, uh, like what, what did we end up calling? Uh, JB's jam, uh, Mr. Dynamite. That's uh, like something like just created in the studio itself. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot on this record. Okay, okay. What might be five of your all-time favorite albums by others? Mothership Connection, Back to Oakland, Tower Power, sorry, and Parliament Funkadelic from the one before, if you didn't know that. Stevie Wonder, Inner Visions, definitely on mine. Earth, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Um, there's so many. It's like pick which Earth, Wind, and Fire record. My goodness. Um, let's just say the entire Earth, Wind, and Fire catalog. Let's say Maceo Parker um, and all the King's Men. All right. 
Well, these two of those for sure are my top five also. And actually, I don't know if you can see behind me, but that's Mothership Connection, the, the gold one on the wall. I can't see it. No, no, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and which other one is in your top five? Uh, Intervisions. That's definitely my favorite Stevie Wonder album. A lot of people pick songs in the key of life. Intervisions for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. me too. Earth, Wind & Fire, it is a tough call for me. It, probably between that soy of the world and all in all. I generally say all in all when I'm asked to pick just because of Serpentine Fire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we're in sync there. Um, what, what to you makes funk so special, Adam? Why do, why do you love it so much? Man, sometimes you don't choose what you love, you know? You eat, a, you eat an avocado for the first time and you're like, you know, I love that. I don't love it. I, you know, funk music for me was something I probably didn't understand that I really loved until uh, my music teacher kind of pointed out to me, like, hey, man, when we're in the jazz band and we, we play funkier music, you light up. That's what he told me, word for word. He was like, you light up when when we play this and he made me a funk music mixtape it started with both parts of the open stroke um, and uh, and then went on and had JB stuff um, and, and other tunes that he wanted us to learn for the jazz band and uh, you know you talk about it, there are a couple people who can really touch you and change your life. And, and, and Kenneth Jernigan, Mr. Jernigan, my high school teacher, was one of those people. It's a beautiful thing when that happens. Yeah. What about uh, funk guitar? You know, if somebody's just starting out, say, what would you give as one or two tips for, you know, getting your chops down for funk guitar? Um. Just approach it as you're already winning because you, if you're doing that, you, it means you love funk music, which which means that you're going in there with a certain mentality of, I like to play a repetitive part over and over again and I get enjoyment from that. Where I think some people might view that as, man, I get bored or, or I need to do more or I need to be flashier or something like that. And, you know, I think funk guitar is more for for those people who, uh, you know, really enjoy to be part of a, a group, part of a, uh, you know, a pyramid of a part, being a part player where everyone's playing this part in this pyramid and all of a sudden you make the whole thing like the strong, you know, with the strong baits and strong foundation that, that the top can exist and all these other parts can, you know, become one. Do you, um, you know, I haven't had the pleasure of seeing Lettuce perform. I hope uh, I get a chance very soon. But in a live context, how much more soloing do you do? Um, I probably take like two or three solos a night with the group. You know, we all try and, you know, because there's so many of us. There's six of us. If all of us take two or three solos a night, that's what, you know, it's like 18 tunes if we all take three. So it's... We don't play that many tunes, so it's got to be less than that if we're really trying to 
you know, let everybody shine, which is, you know, what we're trying to do. We're trying to let everybody shine. One track I didn't mention that I just want to highlight before we close uh, from Mount Crushmore is Ransom because your guitar work is uh, a little more prominent on that one. That's one example where you come forward in the mix for sure. Out of not just the rhythm context, but a little bit of lead in that one too. Yeah, or I think that's Kraz playing lead on that. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That's all right. Um, so we That's me on Chief on that. Chief, okay. Yeah. There you go. On that record, I think, right? Same record. Who would you like to work with uh, that you haven't yet, that sort of your bucket list maybe that you hope you can one day collaborate or, or share a stage with? Morris Day. <laughs> Morris Day, Stevie Wonder. I'll leave it those two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have an in Philip Bailey. How about you, Philip? Come on, man. Who's in the song with us, bro? Did you say Philip Bailey? I did. I did. Okay, that's why I thought I heard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he watches this show. If you if you do, Philip, come on, man. Come hang out with Lex for a little bit. Philip has been on the show. So. See? Yeah. See, I knew it. I had a feeling. Working so on Morris Day, though. Now I'm getting to speak to him personally. I feel like we know each other. <laughs> All right, Adam. Hey, that's pretty much, you know, what I have. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're eager to get back out there. We're, we're eager to have you back out there. We all are. Man. This thing lifts, uh, you know, how quickly do you think you might resume a tour or something like that? Any idea? Hey, man, that's not in my hands. And, uh, you know, as soon as we're able to get back out there, we're going to Thank you so much. Continue success. Be safe. And uh, you too, man. Great talking to you. Take good care. Great talking to you, too, and thank you again for having me on. Really appreciate it. Hey, back at Truth and Rhythm headquarters. Thank you for joining us on another magical ride with Truth and Rhythm. Whether you're watching or listening, as always, thank you so much for your continued interest and support. Be sure to subscribe. Go to YouTube. Go to the Funkin' Stuff channel. That's where Truth and Rhythm lives and breathes and thrives. Also, goodies here like TIR Quick Takes. And if you subscribe, you know what? You get the show before anyone else. It's free. If you love jazz, funk, R&B, soul, you can't miss it. Pass it along. Tell a friend. Tell family. This audience is growing, and it is a beautiful thing, all coming together for the love of this great music. Also, if you can throw us a buck or two, we could use the support financially keeping the lights on, keeping the servers going, all these expenses. If you can help support the program, whatever you can give, much appreciated. Go to the funkinstuff.net website. And on the right-hand side of every page, you just click and you can donate through PayPal, credit card, whatever. Very easy to do and so much appreciated. And if you do a sizable donation, I will mention you on the program. Also drop me a line. Email me at scottg at funkinstuff.net. Let me know who else you'd like to see on the show, what you enjoy about the music. Let's just kibitz and uh, talk about stuff, you know, talk music. You'll find that I respond very quickly, and I much enjoy the uh, rapport and the camaraderie and the interaction. Always remember, this is your show, The True Music Lover. So for now, that's all the time we have for this one. It's a wrap.
as always, Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one.